0: Good morning to you. It's good to have the word of the Lord read to us and I pray that you have been ministered as the word of the Lord have read to us. The topic of today is uh, titled as No Other God Beside Me. No Other God Beside Me. And this is a big and a strong claim by the God of the scripture. Now the premise of making such claim should be that First, there must be God. There must be God. So, I would like to bring forth today uh, this, the following thought. The first is actually, I want to point out the evidences, evidences in creation that there is God. And secondly, and from the evidences that there is God, that this God is a God with a purpose. A God with a purpose. And finally, to tie it up is to suggest to you that uh, knowing that God in creation having a purpose leads us to actually enables us to function to a life that is worth living. Worth the living. Now, I do not want you to just, uh, just to agree with me uh, to to accept what I say or to believe what I say. In fact, I'd like you to challenge what I say, to challenge these thoughts. It's, it's better for you to question, to, to pursue rigorously all this, and even to disagree with me. And if you does, i like to have a continuous dialogue with you. So I created uh, this uh, uh, email account, Answer Me, 3001 at gmail.com And perhaps you could actually throw some objection to what I say, questions, and we can interact a bit more on this. So, if you have some uh, thoughts which you think that uh, uh, contrary to what I say, I really love to actually hear from you. So, it's a simple uh, email address, answer me three thousand and one. At gmail.com Now, my brother and I, we love fishing. My brother and I, we love fishing and on occasion when I meet and when I visit him in Singapore, he will take me up on his boat and go and, and, and we will go fishing around this island city of Singapore. And occasionally we will actually go to the deeper water, to the more remote uh, beaches and the sea in Malaysia. 25 years ago, it was on this occasion, about 20 years ago, 20 years ago, there was an incident whereby while we were fishing off the shore, in a remote, uh, off the shore of Malaysia, we noticed that the storm was, was gathering up. A storm was gathering up. So the boat is not too big and we headed straight to the remote shore to park our boat there And to wait out, to wait out the storm. In haste, we parked the boat too near the shore, too near the beach, on the high tide. And when the tide went down, our boat was actually stuck and stranded in the beach. Well, it's probably a matter of us just waiting out for the tide to come out in, in the evening, about six or seven o'clock. And then the boat will be freed again, and we can just uh, drive the boat away. Well, it didn't turn out to be as easy as that, because when the the, 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 the tide came in, also the wind and the wave came and pushed the boat more and more towards the shore, and the the, 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 the situation was even worse. So while we were trying to push the boat and there was a bit of panic already and worries and the boat was almost dangerously sort of pushed to the side and even toppling over. It was a moment of really anxiety for me too where I actually saw there was a rock which is away from the beach about 20 over meters away from the boat. So what I did was I took some rope from the boat Swam to the rock. Tied it around the rock. Swam back. And from on this, on, on the boat, me and my brother, start to pull. Start to pull as at a, at a wave. up pull the boat away from the beach. And finally, finally we managed to free the boat. And it was a relief. It was a relief. And... Uh, we, we took the boat away. Now, I've lived through many challenges of life. In the 60s and the 80s, there was this challenge that the world will be blown by nuclear warfare. In fact, America and the Soviet Union, or Russia at that time, have enough nuclear bombs To blow the world. Not just one time, but 500 times over. 500 times over. And we are living in this cloud of uncertainty. Maybe tomorrow, somebody will press the button. I've also lived through at least five rounds of economic downturn. Five rounds of economic downturn. And there was difficulty, I remember having to hand over termination letters to my staff. Termination letters to my staff. And it was a tough time, a sad time too, because there was no um, net, social net, to help them. And behind them are families. About two months back, while jogging up the hill, I found out just a small uh, discomfort in my heart turned out that I was, I was carrying a 70% block artery. And when they did the stand, the cardiologist told me, ah, that was a widow maker, a widow maker. Now we are hit by a storm of our life, by a wave. And I'm glad that from the early age, I'm glad that from the early age, I've known the rock for me to tie up, to help me to pass through all the storm of my life. And this rock is the answer to two questions. This rock is the answer to two questions. That there is, there is God. And God have a purpose. There is God, and God have a purpose. Now, in the first part of There is God, I want to actually just give you an evidence which I found it, uh, interesting uh Last few weeks. Now, whenever we talk about there is God, the Bible always point out to creation. The Bible always point out to creation. Even in Isaiah chapter 44, he says here, in verse 25, uh, verse 24, he says, I am the Lord who has made all these things. So when we look at creation, When we look at creation, I find it easy to actually bridge the thought that there must be an intelligent God. God who actually created this very beautiful and sophisticated world. Now, one of the things which I found interesting, as I say, the past few weeks is this. The cell. Now, let me first go through this process. Now, if you take your handphone and you see a handphone and say, "Wow, my handphone is rather a sophisticated uh, machine," but if you were to reduce the handphone right down to the very basic, basic reduce reduce it to basic, it is actually a collection of switches, switches, an on-off switch at micro level. Simplified, it's just a series of on-off switches. That's why when you buy a handphone, you ask uh, how many gigabytes this handphone can take and all that. The gigabyte is actually how many switches you can put on to your handphone. So when you simplify it, it's just a very simple switch. So that goes to the thought that if you were to take anything and you will actually simplify it, bring it down to a very basic level, you understand it because it's a very simple thing. So this thought goes on to our community of uh, maybe scientists. So that if we also take a human being or living thing and simplify it down, we will understand it because it will be something very simple. Very simple, and then we could explain life away. But if you take a simple cell, living cell, maybe even a plant cell, now at year 10 level, we are taught that a cell consists of a, uh, a nucleus, and then there is this floated in, uh, the nucleus is there, floated in some uh, plasma liquid time. And then it is actually covered or uh, protected protected by protected by the cell wall. Simple. You understand everything already. A nucleus, and then there's this liquid around it, and then the cell wall, and this is the simple cell. So called simple cell. Of late, when you actually go in into the the, the this simple cell. They have found that it's not simple anymore. Just an illustration is that it is like a community. In the simple cell, in the simple cell is almost a small city. The dynamic, the, the, the dynamic of a small city. You have manufacturing in that simple cell. Like a factory which manufacture Really quality stuff. You have control. <clears throat> you have logistics. Moving material around. I just know who told them to, to move one material to the next station and how do, who, who control it. There's a control there. There's also defense. And there's also hospital. So in the simple cell, microscopically, they found that It's not simple anymore. It's a very sophisticated, as though a sophisticated community in that simple cell. So as we actually thought that we could actually break down creation, especially living things and all that, to something simple we could understand, we are pushed further back to say how little we know. The more we try to understand, the more we find that we need to understand much more. So, I, to me, a simple man, I would say that it reflects the, 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 the sophistication of God creating the world. And it must be some sophisticated, intelligent creator to be able to create at such a minute level. So, to me, when I look at creation, like the, the, the Isaiah here, he said, when I look at creation, it's easy for me to bridge that from this, God. From this, God as a creator. A being. Not randomness. Not randomness. So this to me, I, 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 I hope, uh, that you could consider that this are, there are enough evidence, not just the cell, much more, that there is a creator and he is God. This is the first point I'll bring. The second one is, from Having God, who is a creator, a sophisticated creator, I'll bring the evidences that God has a purpose. That this is a purposeful God. A purposeful God. And this goes in the reading we have heard Colleen read to us. Now, first, I'd like to introduce the character here in Isaiah chapter 44 and 45. Then the character is. King Cyrus, King Cyrus, it's stated here. Now, Cyrus is a significant king in history. And actually, he's even more significant than Alexander the Great, King Cyrus. And he's the king of Persia. Now, the 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 data which I'm giving to you comes from an early historian, about a hundred, less than a hundred years before Cyrus, uh, after Cyrus had died. Less than a hundred years. So it's pretty accurate if you talk about history. His name is Herodotus. Herodotus. Now what I'm giving you is also agreed by most historians. Most historians, the details. And I wanted like re- you to remember this detail because it will relate to the point I'm going to bring forth to you. Now, Cyrus was born, he had royal linkage. But the way he extended the throne is not that he just was ushered into the throne just like that. In fact, his father, the king of meat, Erospogus, he had a dream, and in his dream, he dreamt that his daughter, his daughter, out from the womb of his daughter, a plant grew, which engulfed, engulfed the whole kingdom. And when he asked his uh, uh, wise men, they say that this is a vision showing that you're going to have a grandson, and your grandson will overthrow your kingdom. And it's because of that, he asked his minister to kill Cyrus. So the minister, when Cyrus was born, the minister took Cyrus and gave it to a shepherd. Gave to a shepherd. At that time, the shepherd also had a child who just died. And he did the switch around. Not telling, of course, he did the switch around. And the shepherd brought up Cyrus and offer the dead child as evidence. Now, years down the road, when Cyrus gone up, the king, his grandfather found out this. So, he invited the minister for dinner. He invited the minister for dinner. And in the dinner, he gave him a very good feast. At the end of the dinner, Silence the the father, the grandfather asked him, did you do this? And you found out, the minister found out that he failed in his mission. And the king said, you know what you're eating just now? The meat you're eating? I have killed your son. And he offered the head of the son to show the minister. I've killed your son and you have ate, you ate your son. I think that was really, really cruel. The minister says, uh, he, he held back his emotion. And he told the king, now I failed the last time to kill Cyrus. Now he has a following, about 10,000 people. But this time you give me an army and I will go and get Cyrus' head. I will go and kill him, take it to you. So the king said, alright. He gave 30,000 30,000 of his soldiers to the minister to go and get Cyrus. Now, when the minister went and confronted Cyrus, he went over to Cyrus' camp and said, look here, let's combine forces and we'll go and take the king, Eraspogus. And that's what he did. So Cyrus with the other 30,000 soldiers 40,000 now, went and took over the throne. And that was how Cyrus actually ascended to his grandfather's throne. From then on, Cyrus went and he was successful in overcoming other nations and defeated other nations. And he was actually a benevolent uh, king. Whoever he defeated, he did not kill the king. In fact, and then the citizen there, he freed the citizen. He freed the citizen. Now, what I'm telling you is actually what Herzberg wrote and also found in a lot of fragments of archaeological findings. In fact, there is one uh, artifact in the British Museum called the Cyrus Cylinder. The Cyrus Linder. and on it is written, "The Cyrus, whenever he actually conquered things, he freed people, he freed people from bondage, and this was offered as a, a what you call something to inspire the United Nations, so and then he, whenever he conquered a nation, he freed the people. So a lot of people were very happy to have Cyrus coming to attack and take over their nation." So, And he didn't do too badly with the king too After he defeated them He said, okay, you run You administer it, But you're under me He didn't actually punish them Kill them Gouge their eye No, he just let them To just run the country He came to Babylon He came to Babylon And Babylon at that time Was a very strong and sophisticated city And they even have gates of a newest technology, metal gate, metal gate, impossible to knock down. Cyrus found out that underneath the stream, they also have bars, gate, gated bars, so that water which goes to the city will actually have some protection. So Cyrus, what Cyrus did was he actually channeled the water away, channeled the water away. When the water level dropped, he went in break the bars of the underwater gate and enter the city. The very moment they went in, when the people of Babylon found out that Cyrus and his army had entered Babylon, they just laid down their arm. He took all Babylon without shedding blood because the people were happy that they were liberated by Cyrus. So, Actually, he took old Babylon without shedding blood. Shedding blood. Now, when he was interacting with the group, now I'm sure that at certain point of time, when he was talking to those people, he would have come across the Jewish, the the people who actually the the Jewish exile, and then the Jewish exile. Took up the writing of Isaiah. Isaiah, what we read, Isaiah 44. Do you know that your name is written here? And point up to Isaiah 44. Isaiah 44 to 45. Now remember this. That this was written a hundred and fifty years before Cyrus was even born. What the, the 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 exiled Jewish exile took to Cyrus and said, "Look here, your name is written in our oracle, King Cyrus. It was written 150 years before you were even born. And look at what he write. Okay, let's look at the detail. Number one is he was named King Cyrus, and then we'll sort of sort of uh should have put him back and say." My name is written there, and then he looked at the next part. Now, that the oracles about his and the, 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 the story of how his grandfather wanted to kill him probably he can reflect that in the first few verses about these oracles and all that. And then, when he read about how God, how he, uh, he, 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 he defeated other nations, he could slowly identify with the oracle and then even there even here it talks about the gates verse 2 of 45 i'll break down the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron my goodness he just have he saw he he saw saw that in babylon and then he said in verse 3 of 45 said, i'll give you the treasure of darkness riches thought in secret and that prompted him to have gone to Nebuchadnezzar's wall, where he found the the thing which Nebuchadnezzar took from Jerusalem, and then it says here, now I bestow you all this uh, all this honor, in the, uh, in verse four, although you do not know me, it's not that Cyrus is already a believer, and that this is written. Uh, as, as just like uh, to confirm that you know uh, the story. The oracle says, when you do all these things, you don't even know me yet. And Cyrus knew in his heart, because when he was attacking Babylon, he was worshiping the Babylonian god maduk But the oracles. What Isaiah says here, he says, that, "No, it's the Yahweh God which give you all these successes. Yahweh God, we give you all successes, although you do not even know me at this time." So when I I I put forward that we have in the Bible in the Scripture a God with a purpose, I think this is some kind. I think this is. Uh, uh, evidence, some kind of proof for you to consider something written a hundred and fifty years before it actually happened in such great detail in such great detail must provoke you to think again hey something's happening here not only there's God but God who who with a purpose and a God who carried out his purpose, and a God who actually told what is going to happen by an oracle 150 years before it happened. Before it happened. So, this is my second evidence which I want to put forth to you, that this is the God with a purpose. And this is the evidence. And finally, to a life which I find that is worth the living. How did Cyrus respond? Now Cyrus, the king, who actually have a, a, a big—he's uh, a great king. He's a great king, defeated a lot of other kings and defeated this great city of Babylon, and and he have a big sp- uh, spread of his kingdom. But when he actually saw all this return and even the God called him. You are my shepherd. You are just a shepherd to me. When you actually defeated all these kingdoms, it's I who actually helped you to defeat it. That all them. Instead of actually saying that, oh, you know, this is all nonsense. I did it my way. I did it my way. But, but King Cyrus humbled himself. I believe and accepted Accepted that yes, although I have marshaled my army and do all these things, he knows that success only comes from a divine God meeting of his purpose. A divine God meeting of his purpose. And over here, over here, God charged Cyrus, the reason why I did all this to you is because I have a mission for you. I have a mission for you because all through you I'm going to establish to rebuild Jerusalem rebuild Jerusalem this is my mission for you so you are I've given you to you I've I've, I've progressed you to this one and I have a mission for you and Cyrus took this mission Cyrus took me this mission I'll read to you the first chapter of Ezra the book of Ezra Verse two, chapter one, verse two. This is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says: The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdom of the earth, and he appointed me to build a temple for him in Jerusalem, in Judah. Any one of his people among you may his God be with you, with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem in Judah. And built the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel. What Sarah did was, he actually embraces what the oracles say. Embraces what Isaiah said, 150 years oracle. And he carried that out. He sponsored. He went into the treasury and brought out all the, the material which Nebuchadnezzar actually Uh, Stole from Jerusalem and gave to the exile to take back, to re-establish this. He sponsored, he embraces God's plan. He embraces God's plan. Now, this oracle, which is carried out in such detail, is just a very small part of God's plan if you look at the whole Bible and also the whole book of Isaiah there is this plan of God and the plan of God is to usher in the final Messiah to save the world Jesus Christ Jesus Christ, the Messiah, and He will come in. Tr- we, have, we have talked about it before. And we will continue to talk about and when we went again, when we actually uh, uh, study the book of Isaiah. 3 quarter down the line already. We have 66 books, we have done 44 books. So 3 quarter down the line. Uh, uh, Two-thirds down the line. The theme is that through this, all this, God's purpose is that the Messiah will come. And there, will, there, there, there are so many other evidences, not so many, so many other prophecies concerning how Jesus were to be fulfilling his mission all through the book of Isaiah. And the reason is that through Jesus, you and I you and I will be able to enjoy the richness of God. You and I can enjoy the richness of God. And this is the biggest purpose of God's plan. Of which what we read about Cyrus is just a small part of it. It's up to us to say... Will we embrace like Cyrus the plan of God is offered to us? Will we embrace that and to enjoy the riches of knowing God? So as I say that I found that going through all the challenges of my life, I find this anchoring to this rock. That there's a God and He's a God of purpose, have helped me to actually negotiate to all The difficulties and the challenges of the life Among them, I've talked about difficulty in, you know Destruction of the world uh, Difficulty in economics disc- Difficulty in health But the, 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 the greatest despair Which is universal and personal to every one of us I believe Relevant to all of us Is the despair of meaninglessness. Meaninglessness. If we do not have a transcendent meaning to life, and our ambition is just to build our earthly kingdom, to survive the next days, there will be a despair in us so great That it can crush us if we really think through it. Every one of us need to have a transcendent reason to go on. The philosopher, a great philosopher, a French philosopher, uh, existential philosopher, Albert Camus says that, you know, since life, to him anyway, since life has no meaning, we might as well kill ourselves, take our life. The meaningless meaningless life is not worth continuation. The only life to meaning is found in Jesus Christ. When could we decide on it? Now, it was just last week, Got the news from a friend that the wife, in Maryborough we have, I've received this news all again and again because Maryborough is an aging population so there'll be always time whereby uh, the wife or somebody or the, the, the husband of somebody is actually in the last day of their life. If you're waiting for the last day of your life to make such big important decision, is very, very, very dangerous because every time I enter to, to visit people in the last day of their life most of the time you have tube everywhere and they were drunk and sometimes they can't even know where they are they are in pain they are more worried of the present you know, and, and they, they can't make big decisions Sometimes they are so much in pain that they will just welcome death. Whatever is it, there's no time or no need or no desire to think this big question of is there a future? Is there a life after? Is there living after death? How would I meet my maker? You wait for the last moment of life. This may be What is going to be facing you? You have all the things hooked up. Only days of sleeping and waking in the days. So the time to actually consider this important question, whether life is meaning, whether there's God, whether there's God of a purpose, whether I want to embrace the God of purpose, is now. For you to consider when you can consider. Let's pray. My Father God, I thank you dear Lord God that you are the God which speaks up your purpose. You are God who gives us your word. Speaking so clearly that you love us. You have a purpose for us. You have a restorative purpose for us. You have something planned for us. If we will only come to you and embrace your purpose in our life. Oh Lord, I pray for this, dear Lord God, to those who actually are hearing and do not, have not come to know you and, or in the journey, dear Lord God. It could be a family member. We pray for them, dear Lord God. That they, dear Lord God, will be, uh, we pray that they will question this in their life and to seek you. We pray for this. For us, dear Lord God, who already know you, we pray like Sidus too, we will embrace your calling for our life, to live our life, to actually answer to this calling of what you want us to do in our life. So we pray, even this week, we commit our time to you, dear Lord God. And we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. THANK YOU.